Welcome into the special best of edition of the CHGO Blackhawks podcast. I'm Jay Zawoski. Thanks for joining us. All week we've been teasing uh, something special coming up on Friday, November 18th show, and we can finally tell you what it is. Marion Hosa, the man, the myth, the legend himself, will join us in studio Friday at 11 a.m. You do not want to miss it. Make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel at CHGO Sports. Make sure you uh, tell a friend. Make sure you're ready to go and join us on Friday morning at 11 a.m. So with that in mind, and with the Marion Hosa Jersey Retirement Ceremony uh, scheduled for this weekend, I want to create a special best of our Marion Hosa coverage edition of the CHGO Blackhawks podcast. Before we get to that, I want to let everybody know another bit of big news today uh, from the world of CHGO is we have launched our diehard level membership of allchgo.com. It's sort of a reimagining of the membership we had before. 20% off all merch, 20% off all events. When you sign up, you get a free CHGO t-shirt or hat, and you get another one every year when your renewal happens. So a free shirt or hat every year, 20% off all merch, 20% off all events. You'll get a physical ID card, tons of great things to come. We're going to have exclusive diehard only events. We're going to have exclusive diehard only merch. It's going to be an awesome thing. Jump in now. If you're already a member at allchgo.com, you're good to go. Okay, so of course, you're good to go if you already signed up with us in March or along the way, you're good until that membership expires. You are good. Okay, so if you have any questions, you can always get in touch with us. You know where to reach us and we'll get you into the right hands, but it's a great thing and we're really excited for you to be a CHGO diehard. Okay, so here's how this special edition show is going to work. April 5th was the day the Blackhawks announced that Marion Hosa was retiring as a Blackhawk. That was it. That was the announcement. Marion Hosa will sign a one-day contract and retire as a Chicago Blackhawk. Awesome. Great gesture, yada, yada, yada. Then September 14th is the day they announced they'd be retiring his number. So the first part of this show will be the April 5th show, our reaction to the news that Hosa will retire Blackhawk. Then the second part of the show will be a part of our September 14th show, where we discuss Marion Hosa's number getting retired. Check it out. It's going to be fun. And remember, we've got Hosa in studio Friday, the 18th of November at 11 a.m. Do not miss that show. So without further ado, here is the best of Marion Hosa episode of the CHGO Blackhawks podcast. I go back to... The moment it happened, July 1st, 2009, free agency had begun. We just saw, you know, the Hawks come off a really strong playoff performance and seemed to be a piece away. And that piece was sitting there unsigned. And I don't know if it was ever really expected. I think there was some conversation of maybe, just maybe they can make this work somehow. I don't know if it's doable, but I don't know. Marion Hosa is going to be available. And it just was such a... For Hawks fans at that time, to dream that big was absurd, right? You, The Hawks never got that guy. And Brian Campbell was a big signing, but they gave him a crap ton of money and made it almost impossible for him to say no. This was different. This was a dude at the peak of his powers choosing to come cup chasing in Chicago and knew that if he signed a long-term deal with the Blackhawks, he was going to get a Stanley Cup, and he got three of them you watch the the 2008 2009 team and you could feel like oh th- something's here like something's this is a legitimate team that's that's got some some chance to make some noises and uh the the run to the to the western conference final that that year in 2009 was you know that was something special and you you know you knew that this blackhawks team was going to be something to uh to, to behold and to deal with and knowing that Marion Hosa was was available that summer, and and knowing that he had played and and helped his teams to the uh, to the Stanley Cup final the two years before, it was just kind of like, you know, this 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 guy. We we already knew then this guy that you know anything that he touches can can potentially turn to gold. And you know he made the commitment to uh, to the team, and and you knew like 
it was, it was, it was on, it was on from there. So yep. yeah, it was, it was just a special moment to know that, you know, a player of this caliber at this point in his career was going to make the commitment to a young and, and, and up and coming team, a team that was ready to be put over the top. And uh, that was, that was special. Yeah. The previous summer, 2008, uh, you know, Jay kind of alluded to it. The Blackhawks signed both Brian Campbell and Cristobal Huey. I know we don't want to mention, we don't want to relive the Huey <laughs> era, but at the time, that was a big those deal. were like the top two yep. free agents on the market that year, especially at those positions. And Brian Campbell got a huge contract and we can probably have a whole episode where if that was worth it or not, it was worth it because it showed that the Blackhawks were willing to spend money. Hey, this isn't the Bill Words Blackhawks. We're open for business. We want to be a destination. And those two guys kind of opened the door. But then it was what they did in that season, losing the Hosa and the Red Wings in the 2009 Western Conference Final. And, you know, Hosa then, you know, I was, I was doubting that it would happen because – we just signed those two huge guys. I was like, I don't mm-hmm. think they got the money to pull this off again. But then it then it happened. And he signed that huge contract. What was it? 13 years? 12 years? I mean, it literally just expired well, this past yeah, 12. year. 12 years. Yeah. Back when you can do that. <laughs> I know I, I, well, the Black, Duncan Keith and Marion Hosa kind of ruined that for everybody else. But I know that the main reason was to kind of circumvent the salary cap and make that hit a little less. But it just also knew that like he was not making because the year before he signed a one year deal with the Red Wings to get that cup. Then he signs basically, I'm going to play the rest of my career with the Blackhawks because this is a team that I think is going to do really well. So not only showed you that, hey, the Hawks were serious about winning, but it meant that Marion Hosa was serious about winning. And then he knew that this wasn't just I'm not coming here for one year. I'm, I'm, I'm committing myself to this franchise, to this team, to the city, to its fans. Such a huge huge signing and it, it, it changed the way not only Blackhawk fans viewed the franchise, but it, it changed the way the rest of the NHL did. That was their moment where like, I always say that the, the, getting the 2009 winter classic changed the Blackhawks franchise a lot that kind of put them on the national map again, but this took it even further. This was like, yeah, this is no longer a fun story of a franchise that's been resurrected. This is a franchise that now means business and there really is only one goal, not to be cliche, but it was to win Stanley Cups. And part of the reason that made that host deal so spectacular that we fawn all over it still to this day is because he delivered. Yep. Everything we dreamed of and more happened after that deal. Like we were all like, oh, this could really happen now. And it did happen. And it happened three times. And if it wasn't for a horrible bounce in 2014, probably would have happened four times. Right. So I mean, that's what made it makes it the best free agent signing in Chicago history is because of the results that not only Hosa put up, but the team put up. Became a dynasty. What about Rodman? (laughs) That was a trade. (laughs) trade. Uh, Trade. And no, still no. Um, But Greg, going back to your point about his time in Detroit, he plays that series in the Western Conference final against the Hawks. He's head to head against this team and has a realization at some point that, okay. These guys, they're they're a piece away from a cup, and that piece is me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how like how cool is that? And that was yeah. as I was sort of digesting the signing as it was happening. That was sort of the realization of, oh my god, he just played against these guys and realizes that they're the team on the rise. So I think we always have, you know, when you're a fan of a team. You have a bias towards them, of course. So you're like, man, are they really as strong as we think they are? Are they really as close as it feels? Do other people see that? Or is it just Hawks fans? Because it's such an unfamiliar place for us to be at the time. And when Marion Hosa says yes, you listen. And it's like, it was like, hot damn. Then he's, if he sees it, then everybody sees it. And there's no limit to what they can do and who, who might want to play here and, and so on and so on. And every time the Hawks targeted someone, either via trade or whatever, they got them. They, because players wanted to be here. They wanted the opportunity to play for this franchise and win Stanley Cups. I mean, look at like, I know like Oduya was a trade, Vermette was a trade, but it just goes on and on. The assassins they brought in, <laughs> all the people they wanted, they got because everyone wanted to be here and be part of this thing. And it started with Campbell and Huey. And then the exclamation point was Marion Hosa. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, you know, he, 
he landed in Pittsburgh, gets to the cup final against Detroit, and then turns down an extension with Pittsburgh to go to Detroit because in the same situation, he had just seen the team that, that beat them and he thought he could be a part of something. And then it doesn't ha- it doesn't happen in Detroit. And then he does the same thing and comes to Chicago. And essentially, instead of doing it on a one-year basis, he said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be with this team, this young team, until I'm done playing hockey. And uh, yeah, that was that was quite the, quite the commitment he made. And, you know, the, the, the city truly uh, embraced Marion Hosa, you know, besides Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze, I think pretty much everybody has a, a special place for Marion Hosa in their heart for, you know, the, the modern Blackhawks dynasty. And, and not only for the player that he was on the ice, but the person that he was off the ice, he was just, you know, just a, a, a person that you could, you could latch onto and, um, someone that the the city you know really embraced, and you could easily see that in the reception that he got uh, just this or, you know just this weekend at Jonathan Taze's thousandth game presentation um, celebration, and and you know we we saw the the the, the video from Hosa um, congratulating Jonathan, and you know everyone loved seeing that on the broadcast, and then he shows up at the United Center, and it's just almost gets the the same ovation that Jonathan Taze gets. I mean, it's just. You know, you, 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 when what this is a city, Chicago, where, you know, if, if you endear yourself to, to a fan base, you are going to, you're going to have a place no matter if it's, if you're here for a year or if you're here for 15 years. Um, if, 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 if you're the right kind of person, right kind of player, um, Chicago will always have a place for you. I mean, look, Brandon Hagel, people yeah. fell in love with him very quickly. Um, and, you know, Marion Hosa, he had a long time for people to fall in love with him, but he did it quickly as well. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, he's that he's that blue collar player we've, you know, hear about to mythical proportions here in Chicago. <laughs> but he was the guy that did all the dirty work, it did, 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 did little things, a lot of the things that don't show up on a, in a box score. And, you know, the, the people see that people pick up on that. You know, he, he was out there every night playing unselfishly and, and doing whatever it took to get the team a victory. He didn't care about his, his personal stats. Never did. He never made it about Marianosa. Even, you know, his 500th goal, his 1000th game, all these huge personal achievements that very few players get. He never made it about himself. And I think that's what, that's a major reason of what has endeared himself to this fan base is his, his humility and his just overall team first attitude. One of the funny things, too, is when he had to stop playing, there was all this talk of capture convention. And it's like, in what world are the Blackhawks worse off with Marion Hosa? That's just not a thing. Like, there's there's no way that the Hawks look at this and say, boy, you know, we could really use that Hosa money. Hell no. Whatever they could do with that money was not going to equal Marion Hosa. And even if he was declining a little bit because of the age and the mileage and all those things, he was still incredibly effective defensively. He could still add some offense. And like, you look at him now and he looks like he can still play. (laughs) He's still in good shape. It's like, if you sign a one day contract, can you technically play that (laughs) night? Is that a thing? Can we get him some sort of like lotion suit? We need to to ask Derek King if he's going to, if he's going to put him in the lineup uh, for Thursday night. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Derek King actually uh, talked about it today. Where it was good. He he he's got a longer history with uh, with Marion Hosa than I remembered. I saw those guys. I told you I saw those guys after the game. And can you guys play still? Because I could use a few of you guys. I should put him on the. He looks like he's in shape. He looks good. I had him. Um, I had training camp with him uh, in Ottawa. His first first year, I believe. I was there. I had signed. Uh, a contract with Ottawa, but I was, I knew I was going to go to Grand Rapids. So I had training camp with all those. The hell of a hockey player. It's too good for me. So I get out of there, go to the minors and just finish off nicely. But uh, it was good. It'd be nice to see him on the ice again. That's awesome. I, lo- I love to see that earlier today. And I had forgotten that, you know, the, the deal Derek King signs with the Ottawa organization and there's Marion host of the rookie. And he knew, he knew right yeah. away. Like, this is a different kind of a thing here, you know, and I, it's funny. I, I wrote it in the all CHGO piece we did today. It's just such a 
cool way for this to end with him signing officially as a Hawk. And I, like we'd all remember him as Blackhawks, but that stuff kind of matters in sports. You know, like in the Baseball Hall of Fame, it's which hat is he going to wear, right? And, and the Hockey Hall of Fame does not have a team designation, but I think the conversation... I don't think so. Not like on the plaques. It's just a headshot. And it will say like where they played and things like that. But when I was there, it was a long time ago. But the plaques do not have a team designation. It just has the player, the years they played, and what they accomplished. Um, And the jerseys are non, you know, it's all black and white. So you couldn't tell what sweater they're wearing at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm looking at it right now. It kind of looks like it could be a Hawks sweater, but there's no, yeah, there's no. It's just whatever he was wearing for the headshot they used for the plaque, right? No, it looks like, no it's it's like a jersey. Yeah, yeah. But I'm but saying yeah. whatever whatever headshot they used for it, it's the jersey he was wearing at the time. Yeah. So it's not really you're right. You're right. There's no way to like denote that. Anyway, the point being, even if it was, it, the argument is over, right? He's not a senator. He's not a thrasher. He's obviously not a Red Wing or a Penguin. He's a or a coyote or a coyote (laughs) (laughs) where legends go to die. Yes, exactly. Um, Yeah, it's just it's a cool way to tie a bow on it. And uh, it's great to see that he enjoyed his time so much here. And, you know, kind of got feelings that, well, maybe he's going to be more involved or is more involved than we thought when he was named part of the GM search committee. I was surprised to see that name on there because, you know, he'd been. He went home and he was not really visible with the organization, but all of a sudden it seems like this is something that Jamie Faulkner and Danny Wirtz have identified as this is a guy whose brain we need to pick. This is a guy who's got thoughts on hockey and on life and we should involve him in things we do. And and this is a great way to do it. Yeah. I think the, a lot of people um, towards the end of Hosa's career, you know, when, when maybe the, you know, the finish line was starting to become a little bit more visible to that. I think a lot of people talked about him, you know, the, the, like you said, the mind he has for hockey and um, how that would, could translate into a post playing career um, position. Some people, you know, have, have, have thought he could be a coach. Some people could, you know, have thought he could be in a front office position. I think probably he just wanted some time away from the game. I'm sure some, you know, most players want to have some time to what kind of decompress from, from hockey, some of them at least want to, you know, decompress from that before getting back into it and whatnot. But I would not be surprised if, if this is part of, you know, a way for the Blackhawks to, um, you know, have him be part of the organization in a front office role or, a you know, a, a consultant or mentor or development coach or something. We've seen them bring back former players in those positions, like, like a Brian Campbell, um, you know, who's also – maybe going to have a front office role as well. Um, I would love to see Hosa back uh, a little bit more frequently than he has been. Um, if he's, you know, if, if, if he's got the, uh, you know, the chops for it, I would not mind seeing him, you know, involved either in a front office position, you know, along alongside maybe Kyle Davidson and, and looking at, you know, how to, how to successfully build up this team, or maybe they get him, you know, maybe they get him in, into the coaching realm and, and see if, see what he can do behind the bench, either as an assistant or more than that. I don't know, but um, yeah, I would, I would love to see, just give him a shot. You know, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with giving him a look at maybe having some sort of role like that. And especially now where, you know, the Blackhawks are trying to build up. Now's the time to, to take some, take some chances on, on who you want to maybe see as, as, as a front office consultant or, or in a coaching realm. There's just a million titles you can make up to give Marion Hosa oh, a job. Of course, yeah. Special yeah. advisor to the GM you yeah. know, or, or a senior vice consultant. Senior. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just yeah. Well, it's, it, it's, obvious it. it's obvious he should be part of this organization. Yeah. Look, at, just listen to the pop he got mm-hmm. Sunday night. It was a CM Punk type pop i mean the place went nuts it was i'm, I'm wearing my cm punk shirt by the way ah. come on our show we, we'd love to have you <laughs> anyway um no he just he the fans love him and he's so well respected um inside the hockey world it's if he wants to be a part of this team you give him whatever job he wants it's as simple as that i like, want to be head coach Okay. Done. All right. <laughs> like seriously, what's the problem here? Once again, Derek um, King realizes, like, well, 
Hey, it's Hosa. <laughs> See you later. Puts his fedora on and leaves. Coming full circle. <laughs> Back to the miners with you. Let's no, wait a week uh, on that, though. Yeah. yeah. But if he wants the front office part, if he wants to be head of European scouting, whatever he wants to do, let him do it. He, obviously, the fans love him and they want him to be a part of this. And with all the bad PR this franchise has gotten over the last year plus whatever you want to say however far back you want to go they need as many positive spins as they can get they, they need as many feel-good stories as they can get and even with all that stuff that happened in 2010 that the ugliness that came out of it marion host's name has never been attached with that. i don't think ever will be he's just that feel-good player and he's so well respected around the league that putting him in some sort of front office role where he's getting to be part of either negotiations or drafting or just whatever people are going to listen. He commands respect in a room when he opens his mouth and gives you his hockey opinions. There's a lot that goes behind that and people are going to listen to it. So I think it would be a great move to get him involved in the organization in any way, shape or form, be it just, you know, the, the ambassador role where he comes and waves to the fans every few games and makes commercials or make him part of the actual day-to-day operation. You can't go wrong. Yeah. I wonder, fellas, why you think Marion Hosa remains so popular. And, you know, hockey fans love him because I, I always said about Hosa, if you were to create a hockey robot and just build out the perfect player, maybe he wasn't the best at, at his time, but he, the most complete hockey player, for sure the most complete winger to play during his era. Why is it that Hawks fans love him so much? And sometimes I wonder if it was because of the way his time here ended, where it felt premature, the decline wasn't totally underway because honestly, I was a little disappointed when Brent Seabrook popped his head out and he did not get a similar pop to what Marion Hosa got. Because I think there are some, those memories of the last few years of Seabrook were tough and it did. I don't want to say it stained his legacy. I think that's overstating it. Because in a few years, people are going to only remember the great stuff about Brent Seabrook. But that guy, drafted by the organization, gave his heart and soul. There's chunks of Brent Seabrook still in the ice to this day. you know. But he just didn't get the love Hosa got. I wonder what it is about Hosa that people just love. I would love to get your guys' thoughts on that. I think it is the 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 lack of sourness or any any saltiness around him as his, as his career came to an end. Um, because of the way it came to it, it was just, it was all, just all of a sudden he's not playing anymore. Um, and I think, you know, like you said, like with, with, with Seabrook, like you saw the, you saw the deterioration in him, you know, physically and, and, and kind of the detriment he became on the ice, um, as hard as it, like, I, I make a face saying that cause it's like, he did so much yeah. for the team that, you know, to, to have, the end of his career be where it was like he was just a liability. Um, it hurt. And then of course, and the being, contract. being a liability, making that much money. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of fans um were not happy with you know what Seabrook was was able to do towards the end, end of his career. You mentioned it before, Jay, like Hosa's the end the the final season that he played, he was still effective. He was still a good player. He was, you could still put him on the penalty kill and play in the top six, even at whatever he was, 37, 38 years old. Um, and it, it just, you know, the, and not only having the mileage that he had, but also what he was playing through, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you learn the details of, of the skin condition that he had. And you just hear these horror stories of him, just like, just, just having like, you know, I don't want to get gross, but just, you know, just what he had to deal with, with, you know, the, the skin condition that he had um, and still being able to play at that level. So I, I, I think it is the lack of, you know, that sourness towards the end of the career. He was always reliable. He was always, um, you know, you could always count on him in, in a clutch moment. And, and he was just consistent. Like you never, I don't, I can't remember in his time ever, ever doubting his, ability to produce or play us play a key role like he was always just yeah it's Hosa. you know what you get you know what you're going to get from him and you know it's going to be a, a high level player so i think I, for me that's that's why i think he's he's always going to have like like I, I can't think of any reason to ever say something bad about him uh from a blackhawk standpoint no his last year by the way 73 games 26 goals 19 assists right yeah i mean good. 
Cap yeah. circumvention. Yeah. No, please come back. Please. Yeah. yeah. And you saw you saw immediately when he was gone the difference that, yeah. that it made for sure. So yeah. Greg, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I'll echo a lot of what, what you guys both said. Um it was the fact that he just left. There wasn't that steady decline. You mentioned Seabrook and you know, for for two, three seasons, all we heard about when we heard Seabrook's contract being described as an albatross for years. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't listen, being a sports fan, we've all been there. It's a what have you done for me lately world. Okay. You can win all the championships in the world, but if you suck right now, you suck forever. That's, like that's, that's just the way it goes. It's like our Taves conversation this year. Absolutely. We're yep. seeing the same thing with Jonathan Taves. We saw the same thing with Duncan Keith before he was traded. We never got that for, uh, for Hosa. And, you know, that has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, there is even a little bit of that with Patrick Sharp. When Patrick Sharp came back that second time around, it was not great but he wasn't making that kind of money, but you know, it, it's just the fact that Hoso still was very productive, never had that major decline. That probably does a lot for it. You don't, re- there's no real bad things to remember. And, and you're a hundred percent right. As the years pass, no one's going to remember those last two years of Brent Seabrook where it was a chore to watch him try and keep up with the fast players. Mm-hmm. And you're going to remember him being, that leader, that guy that took the team on the back, the guy that went to the penalty box and calmed Jonathan Taves down in Detroit, scored that series clinching goal against it. You're going to remember all that stuff. When we look back at Jonathan Taves, we're not going to remember the decline and all the health problems the last couple of years. We're going to remember that Con Smythe run of 2010. Duncan Keith's amazing 2015 playoff run is going to be front and center. It's not going to be, well, the last year he was here, he just stood and watched all these goals go in. No one's going to remember that. And that's that's the best thing about sports. Yes, it's a what have you done for me lately, but time also heals all wounds. So, I mean, maybe except for Chris Chelios. There's still a lot of people that won't forgive him. But I'm over <laughs> it. I have forgiven him for the record. Derek King was talking about uh, Marion Hosa. And, you know, talking about, I just wanted to to kind of go back to that comment. Um, Him saying to like, you know, making the joke, saying to Hosa and and Seabrook and Patrick Sharp, like, oh, like, hey, we we could use some of you guys. (laughs) I know it's a joke, but like. Well, is that where we're at with this with this current group <laughs> oh, God. that we're like, please, 40 year old Miriam Hosa and, and retired all these retired players, please come back like we need you. Like, is that where we're at with this team? Like, I mean, whoa. T- tell me right now if Marion <laughs> Hosa no like, more tickets. Yeah. Like Doug Buffon always used to say he's got one goal line stand left in him. Right. Mar- maybe Marion Hosa has one meaningless game in April left in him. I'm telling you, like, if if he said, okay, I'll play, would you have trouble scratching Mackenzie Entwistle for him and think no. there'd be a giant drop-off in play? I don't think so. Not, not and that's not that's not a knock on Mackenzie Entwistle. You know, if he is the equivalent of 40-whatever-year-old uh, Marion Hosa, uh, three years removed from playing hockey, then that's that's still a very high compliment. I'd say like, where's wow, Bill, that's flattering. Where's Thank Bill you. Vec when you need him? This is where we this is where we get Marion Hosa <laughs> yeah. to play in five different decades. Let's bring him back for one game each of the next once every ten years. Get him a shift. You know he can be he can break Gordy Howell's record of being the oldest player to play in the National Hockey League. <laughs> that's if there's one guy there's, that could well, do it. It's either him or Yager. Yeah, right. I mean, Yager, yeah. I think it's still play right yeah. now. He still might. Um, you never know. Yeah, right. you, you never know. He was I mean, threatening. Cool. Uh, he was threatening Ovechkin. Say he's going to come back and get his record back. back. Yeah. You can give me a a line with Yager and Hosa and anybody right now, and they would be the third line on any team in the league. And maybe the fastest line on the Hawks. Oh, okay. Second fastest. Second fastest. Second fastest. Second fastest. Let's be fair. Let's be fair. They'd probably be the best defensive line on the Hawks. (laughs) No doubt about that. (laughs) Yeah. Man, it's just, it's, it's just such a cool day. And out of nowhere, really. And I don't know if they just kind of said, Hey, uh, what do you think about this? Since you're in town. Yeah. How uh, long are you staying? Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be around Thursday. We'd love to have you officially retire as a Hawk. And, okay. Yeah. What am I doing? Yeah, I don't think, I don't think the timing is coincident is, is, is a coincidence here. And you got him here. Maybe it was something they had planned all along. I know he was supposed to, wasn't he supposed to have one of those legacy nights or one last shifts earlier this season? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So got, I think maybe, maybe, up. 
Yeah, with that because it was right in line with when the the beach report came out. So that rightfully wasn't the right time to say, "Hey, let's bring back this guy that yeah. was part of that team." You know what? That Greg, sorry to interrupt you. I, that's a great point because if you remember, he initiated that. Yeah. He issued a statement saying the time is not right for this. It'll be right in the future, but right now, this is not appropriate. I sh- no, we're not doing this. And and he, I don't know if it was him and the Hawks together. But from the indications I got at that moment was it was a vast majority of that decision went to Marion Hosa, where mm-hmm. he said, I don't I don't want to do this right now. It doesn't feel right. We're not doing this. So that tells you all you need to know about his character and his intelligence right. and his just, I guess, overall awareness of what's going on around him. Where awareness it, from a hockey player. It is a rare, it rare is a, skill. It is a strange thing. It is. <laughs> it it is. is. Yeah. It's, it's re- very refreshing, but I think a lot of that had to do with it. Maybe they had planned this all along. Maybe not the exact date, but they said, Hey, come in for tower. Maybe this is something that just came out of a conversation Sunday afternoon. Who knows? Um, you know, but I, uh, I was kind of find it yeah. funny. I'm sorry. I just no, I, I ahead, find it funny that a guy actually is in the Hall of Fame before he officially retires. It's still a little <laughs> strange. Chris Pronger was actually working for the league still, but yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I I had put it out on Twitter. I said, uh, I'm 99.99% sure this has been in the works for a while. But, you know maybe that ovation on Sunday gave, gave the Hawks a little extra push to be like, eh, maybe we'll do this little thing, but no, it's, it's, I'm sure it's been in the works. And I was, it was also pointed out to me that I believe tomorrow night, he has an autograph signing somewhere near town. I don't think it's actually in the city, but it's somewhere in the Chicagoland area that he's got like an autograph signing. So probably just all lined up that he had, you know, he was going to be in town for Taze. He was going to be in town for this thing. And, they probably planned on it like, hey, let's all just swoop and and do it. And it doesn't hurt to have back to back home games against Arizona and Seattle with special celebrations to sell yeah. a couple extra tickets. So yeah, it absolutely. all works out for, for everyone. It's funny how those things line up, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's not Tampa planning. Bay in town or, or the Red Wings. It's it's yeah. Um well you so Sunday well, we I guess are just gonna we're just going to have to get our, our real estate agent friends uh, to start snooping to see if there's been any kind of purchases oh, yeah. happening. Maybe he's coming back for good. Yeah. That would be nice. That would be really great. And well, uh, uh, Flurry was living in Seabrook's old place, right? I think I, I, I saw, right I think there. I saw a story that Flurry was living in Seabrook's old house. So maybe now that that's vacant, Hosa could move into, you know, Seabrook's old house now. Just keep recycling it through players. That's <laughs> right. it. Eventually it'll be Kirby Docks once he can move out of the basement. Yeah. Well, it's funny. We, um, <laughs> so Sunday we were at the suite, the Hawks invited the whole CHGO crew to the suite and we all had the opportunity to talk to Kyle Davidson and Jamie Faulkner and Danny Wirtz. They were just kind of hanging out in the suite with us. And I had a talk with Jamie Faulkner out in the hallway. And I said, wow, like this has just been a, an awesome night. Like the Taves ceremony was perfect. And I, I just couldn't believe the pop that Hosa got. And she just took that opportunity and ran with it to praise Marion Hosa, saying how impressed she is just and everybody is when he's around. His presence is just he lights up a room. You know, people are starstruck to see Marion Hosa, people that have worked for the team for years. He's that guy to them. And I think there's a bit of that. His personality is a little bit. He's quiet. He's wise. He's got kind of like the Yoda personality. Like He doesn't say a lot, but when he does, it means something. Right. Um, but just the intelligence that he shows and the commitment. And, and she was just glowing and glowing and glowing about Marion Hosa. So, look, the organization sees it. And we I know before this podcast began, we had a lot of time to talk about that town hall meeting on all of our different outlets. And Danny and Jamie seem to really get it right. They seem to have a, a sound plan on and off the ice. And then Rocky kind of got in the way a couple times and derailed the entire thing. But up until those moments, I think everything Danny and Jamie were saying was encouraging and positive and whether or not their ideas come to fruition, we don't know, but the ideas were sound and the thoughts on everything that was going on were sound. So again, maybe just her, and Danny being around Hosa in a more official role has opened their eyes to, holy cow, like this guy brings a lot of value to our franchise. So we'll see. I'm really interested to see what's next for Marion Hosa because part of me is like, he could do anything. And part of me thinks he's just going to say, 
Hockey's been great. I'm going to go on vacation for the rest of my life. And neither yeah. would surprise me. Yeah, it, it, it really has seemed like from the snippets we have seen of him outside of hockey and, and what we've been able to you know, kind of learn about him post his playing career, it really does seem like he kind of has made the most of just kind of, you know, having, having his life after being, you know, NHL star. So if, if he wants to have a role like that, I think the Blackhawks with open arms would bring him in for sure. So um, I, I think it kind of comes down to if he really wants to have that role, because I think, because I'm, I'm with you, Jay, if he, if he wants to do it, if he puts his mind to something, he's the kind of person that you feel like, well, he'll he'll master it eventually and and have no worries about it. So, yeah, if he wants to be involved, I I would think that the current front office is going to not hesitate to say, yeah, let's give you, you know, give you this this responsibility and and, and take it from there. Yeah, I don't think there's a I don't think there's any job they can come up with that you can't trust Marion Hosa to do to the best of his ability. That's the bottom line. And you said and you said it great to Jay he brings value to this organization, no matter what role you give him. Mm-hmm. Can't say that about too many people. Um, it's a no brainer. If Marion Hosa calls you up and says, I want a job. You say, what job can we give you? Find one. <laughs> yep. Yes. You, yeah. you create a job for him. How are you with Photoshop, Marion? You want to run our social media? <laughs> <laughs> Get Marion Hosa running their TikTok account. Look, and if the Hawks don't have a spot for him, CHGO has a spot for him. Uh, aside from Nashville Game 5, which is the consensus uh, Marion Hosa moment of all time. Everyone loves it. Yeah, yeah, it's just such a great moment and so key. And it sucks that I think Doc Emmerich butchered two calls in his entire career. The Patrick <laughs> Kane game winner in 2010, which is totally understandable. And he got his redo. And he got his redo. And then he called Marion Hosa Kane for the Nashville Game 5 goal. Yeah. But which the, is which is always conveniently edited uh, <laughs> whenever it's used in promotional pieces. But just the image of Hosa, who was, was not always the most excessive celebrator when it came to goals. He'd get excited now and again, but to spin on the knees and pump the fists, that was just so memorable. And it will always live in my mind. That and the Seabrook goal to eliminate Detroit are the two moments of the dynasty that stand out the most to me, aside from game-winning cup goals, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start. Uh, Mario, start us off. What's your favorite Marion Hosa moment? Well, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite moments that I think, all, and I, I wrote about it today uh, in, in the piece on allchgo.com, one of my favorite moments that I think um, gets gets overlooked a lot because of you know milestones and and obviously things that happen in the playoffs are, are huge <clears throat> but um one of the one of the best games that the Blackhawks had uh from from a, a, a memorable standpoint it wasn't the best effort that they they had on the ice but um one of the best most memorable games from probably one of the most memorable runs the team has ever or maybe will ever have is from that 2013 season where you know they were they were on the second night of back-to-back games on the road against Calgary. It's the game Ray Emery stole uh, for that team, but they were they were down two to two to one late in the third period, and it's Marion Hosa that ties the game with just under three seconds to go uh, to send it to overtime. They eventually get to the shootout and and are able to to pull out the win. But without that without that goal, along with the performance from from Ray Emery. The uh, you know the the twenty one zero and three start to that season the longest without a a loss in regulation in NHL history I believe it is um, that doesn't happen without the without those two guys and and you know Ray Emery deservedly gets gets all the 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 glory for for that kind of performance that he put in to to steal that game but without Hosa being being there uh, in in the clutch um, they don't get that they don't get to overtime they don't get the win so. Uh, I, I, it's, it's just a testament to, you know, the, the reliability that he always had in, in his career that we, you know, we talked about earlier. Um, you know, he was, he was right there. Per- perfect time, uh, perfect, right, right place at the perfect time. And uh, yeah, that was that I, I remember, I remember watching that game and just, you know, thinking like, man, they, Emery deserved so much better than, than to lose this game. And then up oh, there's Hosa yep. sending it to overtime. So that was, that one always sticks out to me. Greg. Yeah, um, before I share my moment, one 
quick thing about that game five overtime goal. I could still tell when rain's going to come to the knee injury I suffered while celebrating that goal. Um, (laughs) I was, I was at that game uh, in my, in back when I still had season tickets. And when he scored that goal, I jumped really high out of my seat and I did not stick the landing. And I'm pretty sure I caused some ligament damage that I never got fixed. So I'm able to tell, 48 hours in advance of rain because of that goal. So it's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, But outside of that amazing moment, one of my favorite moments is something that just happened in the blink of an eye, but it was just so Marion host. And that was game one of the 2014 Western conference finals against the Los Angeles Kings. And Hosa goes to play the puck behind the net and in comes charging Dustin Brown. Everybody hates Dustin Brown. But Dustin Brown's trying to be Dustin Brown. He's going to take a run at Marion Hosa, and he thinks he's going to get a shot at him. Hosa sees him coming, squares up, and Brown gets knocked right on his ass. Hosa doesn't even move, and I'm sure if the camera was zoomed in, he probably gave him a little smirk and skated off. I mean, that was just – that right there is Marion Hosa. He was an unassuming badass. He didn't have to show you that he was one of the baddest men on the ice. But if you tempted him – you dared to throw him up, he put you on your ass. He learned that lesson right there, Mr. Brown did. I think the rest of the Kings went, he's cool, we're going to leave him alone, just try not to kill us. That was Marion Hosa. He could have ripped your head off if he wanted to, but he chose not to, but he he knew that you knew that he could do it. Yeah, definitely. That's, that is a great moment, and you're right. Like People think about goals and all these great feats he had you know, uh, offensively, some of the defensive stuff was great, and that brings me to one of mine where Hawks in Detroit, I think it was – trying to remember the year. It might have been the cup year, 2010. It doesn't matter. The moment was still great. It was uh, Hosa had the puck in the Hawks zone. Pavel Datsuk comes behind Hosa, lifts Hosa's stick, and takes the puck away. And <laughs> that was not a great moment until Hosa went and returned the favor about 30 feet later, turns around – catches up to Datsuk, takes the puck away from him, sends it the other way, and the Hawks get a great scoring chance. That's it. Like, the goals are wonderful. And, of course, he had the one that he caught through and batted in the in the net before, uh, you know, before it hit the ice, the two goals in his Hawks debut. But those little defensive plays that are, are what really defined him as a player, right? There's a lot of wingers that can score. There's not a lot of wingers that can play two ways like Marion Hosa did. And it's a shame he never got a selkie. I know it's it's an award for it's an award for centers, but if there's ever a winger who deserves it, it's Hosa. Yeah. I was looking it up today. The highest he ever finished was fifth in the twenty fourteen season. Yeah, that's that's a joke. Yeah, I get I get that center is the most important defensive position among the forwards, but that doesn't mean you can't be the best defensive forward on the wing. Hosa proved that for many years. Mm-hmm. Maybe he just played at the wrong time. You know, he played while Pavel Datsuk and and you know it was the beginning of P- Patrice Bergeron, Jonathan Taves, and right you had all these dominant Kopitar. defensive centers, yep. Kopitar and mm-hmm. Ryan Kessler was up there for years. So maybe he just played in the wrong era, but it's still a joke that he only finished fifth in, in the voting. Um, one of the things, the first, first time I ever got to see Marion Hosa up close and personal was when I had uh, part of the media day before the 2013 Stanley Cup final. And, that, and you know, everybody, they took everybody out on the concourse and they had their own little podium and you just went from player to player, asked your question, moved along. The first thing I noticed about Marion Hosa, outside of his calm presence, you know, here's a guy you know, heading into the Stanley cup final and you would just think he was just sitting there talking to his wife at the breakfast table. Just so calm. But the thing I noticed were the size of this man's hands, they were the largest (laughs) hands I have ever seen in my life. I literally sat there and stared at his hands for like two minutes, just like they look like bear paws. I was like, no wonder nobody can get the puck away from this guy because he's, his hands must take up the entire stick. Um, it was just, it was, he was just a, a physical specimen that I don't think you, you see too often where he didn't look like the biggest player on the ice, but man, he was just so tough to play against. And, um, and that's key in the world of hockey is being, you hear coaches say it all the time. You got to play hard, got to be hard to play against. We have to be hard to play against. Marion Hosa was probably the hardest player of his generation to play against. Well, you mentioned the presence and I, and I wonder, you know, looking back on it, this is something that if we get to talk to someone from that 2010 team, you could say, you know, 
at that point, the Hawks are still very young, right? Taves and Kane are young, and Seabrook and Keith, they've got a little more, few, few, a few more miles on them than those two, but still, in it's hockey in terms, mid-20s. young, Boland, yeah. young, all these guys, to have that guy come in and provide, like you, like we've been saying, the, the kind of calm, uh, never gets flustered, even keel, to have that presence who had played in the previous two Stanley Cup finals to come into that room for those playoffs and especially for that cup final, I'd love to know what his impact was. And even if it wasn't anything he ever said, but if you're a young player, you know, you're Dave Bowen and you look over at Marion Host and see, you know, it's game one of the Stanley Cup final and he's just taping up a stick like always, putting his socks on. No difference in his demeanor, no difference in his mood. He's going to take the skate the same way. Like, you know, I think that sort of a presence can be calming and inspiring to young players. And, I, you know, I, Jason Hayward comes to mind for the Cubs. While he was not the most effective player, without his presence at that World Series game, who knows what happens, right? And a very similar personality. Doesn't say a lot. Just kind of goes about his business. Hasn't had the success Hosa had. But still, you know, a, a commanding presence that that can have an impact. So if and when we get the chance to talk to one of those 2010 Hawks, let's remember to ask them that. Because I'd love to know if you, if you ever feeling stressed out and you just go, oh, 81's here. We're going to be okay. You know, just knowing that guy's there has to has to be a big, a big confidence boost for players. Yeah, I, I think not not every um you know, not every leader in a locker room is the one who stands up and gives the, you know, gives the big speeches of the intermissions and whatnot. A lot of times the, the, you know, the leadership is uh, through example. And yeah, I think, I think Hosa um, came into that, like you said, Jay, that, that still young locker room as a very experienced uh, player, a guy who had, who had been there before and, um, was probably someone that a lot of those players young in their career leaned on to to realize like okay this is this is the best way to be a pro in in the National Hockey League and uh, who better to learn from yeah no doubt he was uh one of the all-time greats uh just so I'm, I'm thrilled that he's gonna get his you know get this moment I can't wait till the number 81. Heads up to the United Center Rafters to stay up there forever. That's that's the next step. Um, and whatever he wants to do with his organization going forward, I'm 100% behind it. Seeing him at the United Center every night would be an absolute joy. Yeah, I was I, I was going to say the, uh, the the interesting and conversation is is about you know does 81 get retired? I, I, I think he, at the end of the day, you, I say yes, but it's, it's interesting because he, you know, he had such a, his, his career was expansive, but his biggest impact was in Chicago, but it was only it through the grand scheme of things, less than half of the games he played in his career were with the Blackhawks, even though they were a majority of the games he played. So it's, I think that's an interesting discussion. Again, I, I, I still say it, it does eventually get there. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know Hosa. He uh, if he if he wants to permanently be at uh, nineteen oh one West Madison, he he should be. If he wants to be there, he should be there for sure. I agree. And the Jersey retirement conversation is interesting, and I'm sure you know we've got a whole off season to get to it. But you know, if they do retire his number, that opens up the door for a lot of guys that were are kind of on the borderline, right? Like I think we all assume Taves and Kane for sure, Keith Easily. for sure. Mm-hmm. probably Seabrook because you can tie in Chelios. But then you start saying, like, what about Crawford? What about Hosa? Patrick Sharp? Probably not. But, you know, the conversation becomes broader when you – because Hosa would be – I think that would be like the – I don't want to say – it's not questionable. He absolutely should have it retired. But he was the one I sort of had doubts about when he retired. Like, eh, maybe because he's not homegrown, they would opt to not do that. Um, but now with this announcement, with him retiring as a Hawk, first ballot Hall of Famer, three Stanley Cups, he's got all the credentials to do it. The only thing that he's missing is being drafted by the team, and I don't know if that's necessarily needed to, to have your number retired. No. I yeah, I think so. Go ahead, I would. Man. I would say of of the players that you know you get outside of the 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 guarantees, I would have Hosa as probably the 
most likely in that next group. Um, just because, you know, he was, he was part of, he was part of that group of, of seven players that were there for all three cups and already you're retiring probably four of those guys numbers. So if there's going to be a fifth one, I think it's Hosa. I think something that also goes, helps him in this cause is that he's wears a very unusual number. Who else is going to want number 81? <laughs> yeah. Phil know, Kessel. Especially after what Hosa did here. Well, <laughs> yeah, Phil Kessel, yeah. Unless we're trading for Kyle Connor sometime soon, which I wouldn't be against. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I'd be okay with that. But who's going to really want to wear 81 in a uniform, in a Hawks uniform? So it's not like he wore number 10 or number 20, 25, you know, one of these common numbers that you need all the time. He wore number 81. Let him be the only person in, a, in Hawks history to wear number 81. I'm okay with that. He's earned that. He deserves it. Is he the only one? I would think so. I don't remember in any other 81s. Mm, let's look it up. Let's look it up. All right, I've got hockey reference here. Hold on. Stand by. Yeah, there can't be that many. I, I don't. I, don't, I honestly don't think there is, but we will find out here in a second. Marion Hosa is the only yeah, one. Only the one. only one. There but you so go. Might as why, well. why, why give it, let somebody else wear it? Because you know? if you don't retire it, everyone's just going to think of Hosa if, if someone else wears 81. Like, right. We're going to get, well gonna get the it. angry tweets. How dare you wear right. Marion Hosa's number? Just like we got all the angry tweets about how dare South Jones wear Nicholas Jarlson's number. Bobby Orr's number. <laughs> Man, that's right. They're just well, running out Keith, of defenseman numbers. That's Keith, the problem. Keith Carney's, that's Keith Carney's <laughs> number, people. That's well, what it is. And pe- people still say that about, you know, number 28 and 27 and stuff. So it's just like, yeah. you know, it might as well just – make Hosa the only one to do to, to wear number 81. Just do it. I still think both those should be up there, by the way. I, I agree. I agree with that. Too, especially 28 for sure. Yeah. Why he's not in the hall of fame. I will never understand. All right. That was our reaction on April 5th to the news that Marion Hosa would retire a Blackhawk September 14th, 2022 Blackhawks and Kraken are playing and the Blackhawks announced that Marion Hosa will have his number 81 retired for the rest of history. No one in Blackhawks history will wear number 81 ever again. In this next segment, you're going to hear our reaction to that news. But first, we want to remind you about our new allchgo.com diehard membership. Make sure you check it out, allchgo.com, for all the info. You're going to save 20% on all merchant events, When you sign up, you get a free CHGO t-shirt or hat and another CHGO t-shirt or hat every year after renewal. You'll get a free physical ID card as well. Lots of great, great features with this new diehard CHGO membership. Go to allchgo.com to check it all out and join us here at CHGO. We love having you. We love the support you've given us so far. And the best way to support us is by becoming a diehard level member at allchgo.com. All right, here we go to September 14th, 2022, when the Blackhawks announced Marion Hosa's number would be retired forever. November 20th is the day that number 81 goes to the rafters for eternity. Yep. The demigod himself, Marion Hosa, will have his jersey retired. Pittsburgh Penguins legend Marion Hosa gets his <laughs> jersey uh, yeah. against his former team that he spent like what the three Two months weeks? with, yeah, like a couple months with them. So yeah. Uh, yeah, trying to think of like athletes in Chicago who are universally agreed upon that everybody loves. Mm-hmm. Like even when you talk about Taves and Kane, for various reasons, there are some people that. That don't love them, right? They have their detractors. Um, Duncan Keith, towards the end, had a little bit of a drop-off. Brent Seabrook's legacy was a little bit tarnished because of the contract and the poor performance towards the end of it. Marion Host is a guy who I think every fan in Chicago loves. you know, And it's, it's going to be really cool to see uh, how that night goes. And, and the other part of this, too, is who's going to do it? Foley's gone. Yeah. Olchek's gone. Is it going to be John Wideman? Is it going to be Troy Murray? Is be- it going to be uh, Chris Foster? I bet it'll be Wideman. Wideman or his uh, former teammate Patrick Sharp. That's true. Yeah, yeah, could see that. Could Master that. of Ceremonies or, or Gene Honda. <laughs> he announced his name a lot over the years. Marion yeah. Hosa. You know, uh, you got some options there. Maybe, maybe that's a night you bring Pat Foley back. See, that would be cool. Yeah, you. 
He's not could. doing nothing in November. I'm sure he would love to get out there and ham it up and see all the fans. People would be, eat that up, too. Yeah. He would, yeah. Absolutely. I just wonder, th- and that would be a good indication to show us, like, what is the true, uh, what are Pat's true feelings about his career ending? Do we see him in some substitution roles here and there? Do we see him as a master of ceremony for big events? That would be awesome. Yeah. I would love to see that. It's a guy who saw the vast majority of the games that Marion Hosa played here. I mean, if there's going to be, you're going to start retiring the numbers of this dynasty era team. There's nobody perfect, more suited to do it than Pat Foley. Yeah. yeah. It adds to the, it would add to the excitement and the aura of that night. It would oh, make absolutely. it even more, take a special night and make it just like unforgettable. Yeah. If, if you, you bring it, back it, Pat Foley. If you want to please a lot of people for at least one night of next season, if you do November 20th, you're, you're retiring Marion Hosa's number. That's the that's the night you're doing it, and you say, "Oh yeah, by the way, Pat Foley's coming back." Yeah, yep. That's that that that'll be uh, that'll bring him a in. Really good PR move. But the the simple answer to that question: Who does you get to do Marion Hosa's jersey retirement ceremony? You get whoever Marion Hosa wants. That's, that's true. <laughs> if he says, yeah. "I want Edzo back for one night," you make it happen because it don't piss off Marion Hosa because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. bad things happen. He'll just do it himself. But yeah. we can. But to get back to your original point about universally loved players, I think part of the reason Marion Hosa was universally loved, not only because of the player he was, the guy he was, he never had that decline. Right. He was still right, playing yeah. pretty much top-level hockey when he had to retire because of the skin condition. Now people can you get your tinfoil hats and your conspiracies about that whole situation. They've been out yeah. there, but he never had that decline. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. He was, he, a, he was a still half get- a step, but he was still being a very productive top six yeah. player until the very end. Um, so I think that had a lot to do with it too, because yeah, Taves, Jonathan Taves has taken a bit of a, a, a getting beat up a little bit the last couple of years because of a, the natural decline and some of the silly things he said, you know, uh, Duncan Keith, you mentioned Seabrook. Those guys started to decline. And sports is always to the fans, what have you done for me lately? Right. And as soon as you start not playing at a level they're used to, while, but getting paid for that level, fans turn on you mm-hmm. real quick. Patrick Kane hasn't had that yet either because he's still playing. You know, he's had his third best season of his career this past year. Yeah. And I will say those feelings go away when the players do too. Like yeah. when we saw everybody come out for Taves' uh, 1,000th game, all the alternate captains that had been there, Seabrook, Keith, Crawford was on the mm-hmm. Jumbotron, people went nuts, and all that stuff was forgotten. Oh, yeah. Right, and you were, even that night for Jonathan Taves, we had been really critical of Jonathan Taves Leading up since to that, yeah. the launch, but that night we put it all aside and said, hey, let's remember all the great stuff this guy has done, and that's how he'll be remembered. But, Greg, your point yeah. about people like the conspiracy theorists – TSN uh, retweeted the Hosa retirement tweet from the Blackhawks, and like the first comment was, "Thank you for the cap circumvention." And yes, of course, the cap has been circumvented in the past. Yes, by the Blackhawks, but this, no, Hosa, his last year at the Hawks scored twenty six goals. Yeah, there's no scenario at what thirty nine years old. Yeah, there's no scenario in which the Blackhawks were better off. Without Marion Hosa yeah, on still their team, trying to be a playoff team. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. Right. It'd be one thing if it happened this year. When yes. you're trying to <laughs> right. take, then you can then you can go. Aha! I see what you did there, but there was no reason to do it when it happened. They were still trying mm-hmm. to pass off as being a contender. Um, yeah. So they were they were trying to win games. They were trying to be in the postseason and plucking Marion Hosa off that roster. Did them no favors. Right. That's why they that's forced the hand to try and get Brandon Sod back. Right. Because that was your poor man's Marion Hosa, very poor man's Marion Hosa. Not a slam with Brandon no. Sod. I love Brandon Sod, but player. You, you you can't do what Marion Hosa did. Um being a poor man's Marion Hosa is a great compliment. Absolutely. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I'd love to be a poor man's Marion Hosa <laughs> yeah. one day. Um also but real quick on the deal too, five point two seven five. That's not a restrictive salary. That was really preventing and, the. And Hawks. again, it's so you know. stupid. We talk about it with the Duncan Keith that he retired. The Haw- punishing teams for for contracts that were legal when they signed. It's not the player or the team's fault that you changed the CBA after that right. contract. It's so stupid. One of the yeah. hundreds of things that the NHL does wrong. Well, and it um, should also be if the, if that player is traded while they're still playing, right. why do you, why 
is your cap hit when you've gotten you when you you've traded. moved the player? You've moved the the player. You've right. moved the contract. It's, they shouldn't be hitting you anymore. It's so stupid. I mean, uh, thankfully, it doesn't matter this year, as we mentioned with the Duncan Key stuff. Yeah, who cares? Uh, for, about the salary cap yeah. this year, it means nothing. It might have actually helped them. They probably you know, didn't have to sign. They could go without signing one more competitive veteran. Yeah, that they're, might they're get not them a, hurting a few extra points this season that they don't want. So, yeah, they're not hurting to, you know, to get to the cap. And forward. maybe this is why Phil Kessel is is in Las Vegas and not Chicago because he knew he wouldn't be able to wear number eighty one, even that though he can't a, wear it with Vegas. Could have been a big reason. Yeah, because Marsha Shaw has it, but how? Dare he not give it to Phil Kessel? F that guy! <laughs> How dare you not? If Phil Kessel says he wasn't I willing, want eighty-one, you say wasn't yes, will, sir. Wasn't willing to pony up the uh, the, the hot dog, uh, the hot dog ransom that Phil <laughs> Phil Phil was looking for. Yeah, but, I mean, um, how many hot dogs would it take? Yeah, that's a question. Right. That's that, that's that's a five-figure number there. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think you know with with Hosa coming uh, coming back, the retirement. It's just you know it's just going to be a, a good it's going to be a good night and and with the you know with the whole conspiracy theory thing I think this is a good reason to um, be like hey like if you really want to know what happened with Hosa and and the severity of, of what led to him being forced to walk away from hockey um, I I think you're going to learn a lot about it from him himself in the in the book that's going to be coming out uh, that was co- uh, co-written by by Hosa and uh, our friend Scott Powers. So um, I'm sure that's going to have a lot of detail about the end of his career. And I, I think, you know, Scott Powers a few years ago even went to Slovakia and, and talked with Hosa and was just like, hey, like, how have you been? Like all this stuff. And, and Hosa talked about what he had to go through just to play hockey and the fact that and when, when he was in town at the end of last season to announce the retirement and the Jersey retirement and everything – um, he said that I, I, I remember in his um, little press conference that they did, he said basically the medication he was taking so he could play hockey mm-hmm. was essentially going through chemo, which is insanity. Right. To do that and then still play and like to still Marianne be playing. Yeah. yeah. Still be Marion Hosa. Crazy. So, yeah, for his for his health, if you want to, you know, if you want to crack your jokes online, that's fine. But I mean, that's that's a real life yeah. uh hard issue to, to to go through and for a, a competitor like him to be like you know what i'm gonna try and play as much as i can and go through this as much as i can as much as my body and medically can go through uh and then to be basically told like hey if you keep doing this you're probably gonna like your body's gonna shut down yeah, on your you. quality of life will be yeah shit for so the, it's for the rest of it yeah so yeah so yeah i'm, I'm happy to see that he's he's doing well he's healthy he looks like he could go take a couple shifts if he wanted to. Um, shifts. And uh, it's going to be, yeah, multiple. Not just one more. <laughs> multiple. Um, so it'll be, it'll, be, it'll be fun to, uh, to see him out there. I wonder if they do that, the, the one last shift that night, too, with Hosa. Gear, gear him up, put him, put him, out, in, put him out in warm-ups. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they can with the, with the skin condition. Can he, I, can he even do that? He doesn't need pads. You can't hurt him. Just go out there shirtless. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Is that a statue? No, that's actually him. <laughs> I was wondering what team they were going to do do it against. Um, I thought maybe the Ottawa Thrashers. game. <laughs> Thrashers, yeah, when the Thrashers I, come to town. I, yeah, I, I thought maybe the, uh, the that Ottawa game since he spent most you know yeah. a, a good majority of his career before getting here. But then that's also the DeBrinkit return, so that probably, and I'm sure it had to do with Hosa's schedule itself, but. You know, I, it was it was kind of wondering. I was like, man, should it be the Coyotes, the last team he technically played for? Uh, <laughs> Coyotes legend. But the Penguins, that'd be kind of fun because he still has. Uh, he was there. He played with Crosby and Malkin for and the those few weeks and yeah. the Tang. So mm-hmm. it's kind of fun to be like, hey, here's a team that's decided to move on from their glory days, and here's a team just just grasping, grasping, on, like like let their 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 putting these old guys together with duct tape before every game to throw them out there to be like, Hey, we kind of sort of <laughs> still can do this, but no, you can't. So it's kind of, it's kind of a fun cr- contrast that you're actually going to have guys on the ice on both teams 
that got to play and with still Marion played with Hosa. them. Yeah. yeah, I really like your Coyotes idea. They could have brought out all of his old teammates like Pavel Datsuk and Chris Pronger. Chris Pronger could have been out yeah. there. Dave Bolin was a Dave Bolin. Bolin. I mean, teammate. You know, that would have been just so cool to see all those all those Coyotes legendary legends right there. <laughs> great. It's so great. I just love that they've become a dumping ground for bad contracts. But we just and the five thousand seat Mullet Arena. Boy, things are everything's coming up, Coyotes, isn't hey, it? That's all right. In five years, when they finally get an arena, they'll still they're going to figure it out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's going to do it for this special edition of the CHGO Blackhawks podcast. Reminder: Friday, November eighteenth, eleven a.m. Marion Hosa will join us in studio at CHGO. Make sure you're watching the show live on YouTube. Make sure you're listening to it on the podcast. Tell your Blackhawk friend fans about this show. They're going to want to be there. They're going to want to hear it. They're going to want to know about it. And uh, the more people that know about CHGO, the better for everybody involved. So enjoy tomorrow's show at 11. And then remember, the retirement ceremony is Sunday. If you're going to the game, you've got to remember a special time for the ceremony. Puck drop is at 6. The ceremony starts at 4.30. The atrium doors open at 2.30. The United Center doors open at 3.30. The atrium panel with Patrick Sharp, Nicholas Jalmerson, Brent Seabrook, and Duncan Keith starts at 3.50 p.m. So if you want to see that, you've got to be at the United Center by 3.50. So do not miss that. That will happen in the atrium on Sunday. Remember, the ceremony starts at 4.30, but the pregame stuff, everything kicks off at 3.50, so you're going to want to get there and take in all the HOSA you can take in. It's going to be a wonderful night, something to remember. It's going to be a wonderful time, and uh, we'll be with you after the game talking about the outcome of the game, but probably more about Marion HOSA and his legacy. It's going to be a great night to be at the United Center. Hope to see you there. Thanks for listening to the CHGO Blackhawks podcast. (laughs) 